give it our best. Are we doing our best? Would Jesus be able to say of us what he said of Mary? She hath done what she could. Our responsibility is to do the best we can. I say God expects our best. Turn with me, please, to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. You've read this portion of Scripture earlier, and we're going to talk a little bit about it today. A Sunday school teacher one day said to her little boys and girls, I want you to come back next Sunday with uh, an object lesson that will illustrate a Bible verse. So the children came back the next Sunday, and uh, one little boy brought a flashlight. And the teacher said, what does that illustrate? And he said, ye are the light of the world. And a little girl brought a salt shaker, and she said, ye are the salt of the earth. And another, uh, a, a little boy way back in the corner, he brought a little, you know what a bantam chicken is? They're little chickens, they lay little eggs. He brought a bantam chicken egg. And the teacher said, what in the world could that, what scripture verse could that illustrate? And he said, she hath done what she could. And you know, down one, uh, Jesus said concerning that woman that they murmured against, he said, leave her alone. She hath done what she could. And uh, that's what I want to preach on today. She hath done what she could. Now, this was Mary that Jesus was talking about. And Mary's act of love of breaking that alabaster box of ointment and pouring it over his head, the head of Jesus, he was, was pouring it there uh, to anoint him, Jesus said. She hath done what she could. And I believe, my friend, if every person in this room could, would simply do what they could do, it would transform this church. And if all of us would do simply what we could do, it would start a revival in this city. But most of us only do a small portion of what we are able to do and what we really could do. Now, several things I want to point out to you today. First of all, Jesus expected Mary to do what she could. He expected her to do what she could. There are four truths that I want to quickly cover. Jesus expects each of us to do what we can do. Now, he did not expect Mary to do something that someone else could have done, but only something that she alone could do. I don't know where Mary got this alabaster box of ointment. Another place we learn that it was a valuable ointment. Well, it says in verse 5, could have been sold for more than 300 pence. Now, a pence was the amount of money a working man would make in one day back then. So in other words, this is about one man's yearly salary is the value of this perfumed box of ointment. And she used that to anoint Jesus' head. And this was something that she was able to do. I don't know if the, that had been given to her, uh, if she inherited that. I'm not sure where she got it. But she had it, and she used what she had. And uh, Mary was obviously not able to do what her sister Martha could do. Martha was skilled in the kitchen. And Martha was out busy preparing a meal and, and preparing the food and so on. And some of you are able to do that. 
On a day like this, some of you have been busy preparing the food that we're all going to eat later. You're good at that. You're good at organizing. You're good at cooking. And I'm hoping a little bit later on I'm going to get to eat some pancit and some adobo and so on. Anyway, some of you are good at that. Others of you, maybe you're not good cooks, but you're good in other areas. And Mary, it seems, was especially astute in spiritual things. And she somehow knew that Jesus was going to die and she was anointing his body for the burial. She did what she could do. Now, I'm sure that Jesus did not expect Mary to preach a great sermon like Peter had done on the day of, Peter would do on the day of Pentecost. He didn't expect Mary to perform an operation like maybe Dr. Luke would be able to perform. He expected her to take what she had, what was at her disposal, and use it for the honor of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what he expects you and I to do. God is not expecting you to do something that someone else does. Well, these guys that were up here singing, what a great job they did. Wonderful harmony and so on. Now, they weren't very pogey, but they're good singers. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. And you say, boy, I can't sing like that. Well, that's okay. God didn't make you to sing like that. Brother Smith was talking about the starting of this church. And uh, as a young preacher, I pastored for four years in a denominational church before God got me out of that mess. And I went and started an independent Baptist church. And when I was still in the denomination, the church was growing. People were being saved. When I'd gone to the church, it was running about 60 uh, people. And, uh, but my heart was hungry. And I wanted more. I wanted to see more people saved. I wanted to see God do a greater work. And uh, I read one day in a magazine about a conference that was being held in Hammond, Indiana. And so I talked to my wife about it. And I said, honey, I'd like to go down to that conference. It's a pastor's school. And maybe I can learn something. And as I drove from Toronto down to Hammond, Indiana, I was praying, Lord, I need something. I need your help. I want to be used by you. So please show me something at this conference that, that I could use. And so I uh, drove down there and, and uh, uh, on the Thursday night of the conference, God spoke to my heart in a special way. And I'll tell you more about that in the service following the, uh, the uh, lunchtime today. But after that, God started to do great things in my life, and I'm so thrilled with what God has done. And I'm going to tell you what my observation has been. Some people, if they can't be big shots, don't want to be any shots at all. And Jesus uh, uh, gave us, as I talked about in the Sunday school hour, certain talents. And he expects us to use those talents. Friends, God doesn't need a bunch of big shots. He just needs a, little, a bunch of little shots all shooting in the right direction. And he just wants all of us to, to just use what, what he's given to us. What God needs is for each of us to take the talents and abilities and capabilities that we have and use them to honor and glorify him. I sometimes hear people say after someone has sung a solo, oh, well, God didn't give me those kind of talents. But that's just not so. 
There has never been any Christian to whom God didn't give certain gifts, to whom God didn't give certain talents. You all have abilities from God. God has given you certain things that he expects you to use in order to advance his work. 1 Corinthians 12.12 says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all of the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now, Jesus, the Son of the living God, has risen from the dead and now sits on the right hand of the Father. And as far as this world is concerned, every redeemed soul is the body of Christ, although in the local church, it's the local body of Christ. Local church is the body of Christ locally. That means that here in Surrey, he has no other lips to use but your lips. No other eyes to see than your eyes. No other hands to use than your hands. No other feet to go door to door than your feet. And so uh, he wants to use you. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. For by one spirit are we all baptized into the body of Christ. And people ask, uh, Brother Pendle, have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit? Yeah, when I got saved, I got baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. And so have you. People get those terms mixed up sometimes. Now, I, not, not only are you and I in a, in, in a body, you and I, a body in general, but we're members in particular. Somebody's a hand. Somebody is an eye. Somebody is a foot. We're not all the same members. He's trying to tell us each of you have been given a special gift and you're to use that in the body of Christ to certain degrees. Now, the curse of our churches today is that far, that, that far uh, too few of us are doing what God put us here to do. Let me illustrate that to you. Suppose when I woke up this morning, my brain said, Listen, I've been busy lately, and I'm too tired to go to church today. And my hands would have said, well, if you're not going, I'm not going. And you, my feet might have said, well, then I guess I won't go either. You know, that's the way a lot of churches operate. Half of the people are not there. Half of the people are not doing what they should do. Can you imagine a, a general going to, to war and saying, uh, Oh, private uh, so-and-so, uh, uh, get your troops together. We're going to go to battle. And uh, someone says, oh, private so-and-so is not here today. And some of his soldiers didn't come either. Well, let's try another battalion. Let's get this one over here moving. No, no, they had a headache today. I've discovered over the years that there's nothing worse than a church headache. I'm talking about the fact that Christians can go to a baseball game with a headache and they can go play volleyball with a headache, and they can do lots of other things with a headache, but there's no, no cure for a church headache. If you've got a headache and it's Sunday morning, there's just no way you can go to church. That just seems to be the way some folks think. Listen, it's sad that people are not functioning. If the average general found out that half his soldiers in his army were not even going to fight, that... Uh, uh, half 
that, that did fight, maybe didn't look like they had any fighting spirit, he'd throw up the white flag and say, come and get us. You've won the battle. And frankly, that's the way a lot of churches are today. What I'm trying to say is, God expects you to do what you can do. And you can do something. He expected Mary to do what she could do. Let me ask you this question. Are you praying the best you can? Examine your prayer life. Are you winning souls the best you can? Answer this honestly. When's the last time you personally led a soul to Jesus Christ? Are you giving your money the best you can with eternity in view? Are we really tithing? Are we really giving to missions? Are we doing what we can do? Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said, anything less than your best is a sin. Anything less than your best is a sin. Whatever our responsibility is in church, we need to do it the best we can. If our responsibility is to vacuum this floor, we ought to do it the best we can. If ours is to wash the windows, we should wash those windows the best we can. If ours is to usher, we should usher the best we can. If it's to teach a Sunday school class, it's not to cram on Sunday morning and get a few thoughts and teach those little children. It's to prepare during the week and do the best we can. Give it our best. Are we doing our best? Would Jesus be able to say of us what he said of Mary? She hath done what she could. Our responsibility is to do the best we can. I say God expects our best. Secondly, God will bless our best. He will bless our best. Whether God uses you greatly or not does not depend on your ability as much as it does upon your availability and the totality of your dedication. It's not going to depend upon your education either. A lot of folks have the idea that if we're going to uh, go places, then we've got to be a highly educated people. Some of the biggest flops in this country are highly educated flops. Now, I'm not against education. We have a Christian school with very high standards, high academic standards. We believe in high academic standards. But I'm saying that high academic standards is not the key to being used by God. It's, it's not our ability that matters. It's our, it's our availability. God will put his blessing upon you if you make yourself available to God. We have so many Bible examples of this. Back in the Old Testament, we have the example of Moses. We talked about that this morning. God told Moses, I want you to go and get my people out of bondage. And uh, Moses said, I tried that once. I made a mess of it. And God sent him back again and told him, uh, what is that in your hand? And he, it was just a rod. And God empowered that rod and great things were done. We have a New Testament full of illustrations of how God has used people. On our first anniversary, Brother White, I had a goal. It was really an unrealistic goal. You know, we preachers dream sometimes bigger than we should. And I had this idea that on our first anniversary, we would have 500 people. And uh, 
the astounding thing about that is that we went to a city where we didn't know anybody to start the church. And uh, God began to bless and we started to plan and we rented a special auditorium and on that first anniversary, believe it or not, we had 501 people present. Just amazing what God was able to do. And I have some other examples. But uh, did you know that this principle of trusting God and believing God for great things and doing what you're able to do works in the matter of our giving as well? And for the Christian, we think, okay, the Bible principle is that we're to be tithers. We're to tithe 10% of our income to the Lord. And by the way, that 10% isn't 10% of your net income. That's 10% of your gross income. Your net income is after the government gets all its deductions off it, gets your unemployment insurance, gets your pension plan out of it. And some people decide after they pay their bills, whatever they got left, they'll tithe 10% of that. That's not tithing. That's tipping. And you give the waitress at the restaurant 15% of the bill, Let's take the gross before the government takes anything off and tithe 10% of that to the Lord. And then you're tithing. Then you start giving after the tithe. And our experience has been, you just can't outgive God. I passed a house this week that was the first house my wife and I bought in our marriage. It was a townhouse. In 1976, it was a brand new townhouse. The government had a special program on that for first-time home buyers, they'd give you $1,000 and they would help guarantee your mortgage if you qualified. Well, we needed that. We had very little income. We had one child and another one on the way. And uh, so this townhouse, brand new, was $35,000. Can you imagine? Back in 1976. It was a stretch for us to get that first mortgage. And we did qualify, thankfully. And we got that $1,000 from the government and we bought our first townhouse and that got us into the housing market. And God kept his hand on us through the years. He's given us wonderful homes. He's met every need all along the way. Not only did we not stop tithing, we increased and increased and increased and then started giving to missions more and more and more. And we discovered you just can't outgive God. You do what you can do, and God puts His blessing upon it. If you want big blessings, may I encourage you to be a big giver? And I know some of you must be. I see what the church is doing here, and it's absolutely amazing. And I want to congratulate you for that. But God will bless you in so many ways, and uh, uh, we need to keep on doing what we can do. God will bless your best. And the reason that God is not using more of us is that he doesn't have half of us. Some people like to come to church and get their ears tickled. And some people are going to churches where they can hear worldly music and get their emotions stirred. And they come to church for that reason. But my friend, that's not the sort of thing God wants us to do. He wants us to come to church to be more dedicated, more committed, to learn how to be better soldiers of the cross. And we get educated in the word of God. And uh, God will bless us as we dedicate ourselves to him. We ought to do our best. 
there's not a husband in this building who could not love his wife more if he would do what he could do. There's not a wife in this building who could not love her husband more if she would do what she could do. But sometimes we get selfish in marriage, don't we? And we think it's all about us. Somebody asked me about my wife the other day and I said, it's hard for me to live with my wife. And they said, well, why? And I said, I just can't outgive her. She does so much for me. She's always giving to me and I'm trying to give back to her. But there's not a wife here as well that would not appreciate her husband more if she knew he was doing his best. The same thing with husbands. And I don't believe that God will fail to use anybody who is putting all on the altar for God. Are you willing to put everything there? Are you willing to put more time into prayer, do your best, put more time into soul winning, put more time into prayer and giving? You say, uh, can you say, oh God, I've done my best. I don't know if I can say that most of the time. I have done my best. I want you to use me, Lord. Then I want you to see that God rewarded Mary. I'm trying to move on here. He rewarded Mary. He said, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of, of a memorial of her. The biggest lie that the, that the devil tells today is that it doesn't pay to serve Jesus. Now, that's the reason that many young people are not going into the ministry today. Brother White and I were talking about this a little bit last night. Not many young people are surrendering to get into Bible college the way they used to. Not many are surrendering to get into missionary, uh, missionary service and the ministry as they used to. And there's a reason for that. I believe that part of that reason is that the old devil has them convinced it doesn't pay to serve God. Something I want you to remember about the devil, and that is this. He's a liar. The devil is a liar. God is no man's debtor. Does it pay to serve Jesus? Oh, yes, it pays to serve Jesus. He'll take care of you. He will take care of you. And uh, Jesus rewarded Mary for her service, and he'll take care of you too. Any young people today are thinking that, well, you know, I need to get out into the world and I need to make a lot of money. That's what I need. No, it's not. You need to serve Jesus. May I encourage you, young people, don't waste your life making money. Give your life to the Lord and let him use it. So what if he calls you to some place that nobody's ever heard of to start a church? He'll bless you there. He'll use you there, and souls will be saved there. Listen, we're on this earth for a short period of time as far as eternity is concerned. But it's during this short period of time that we do the things that will last for eternity. And so, give your life to the Lord. Young people, give your life to service. Sell out to God. I told you I got saved at 14 years of age. God called me to preach when I was 15 years of age. I did not come from a wealthy family. My dad and my parents were not saved. My dad was an alcoholic. 
And my mother was a good woman, but unsaved. And uh, uh, when I got saved, I started praying immediately that my parents would get saved. And uh, my dad was a hard case. One time, when I'm in the ministry, uh, well, I was in the ministry already, I was home and my dad was sober. And I said, Dad, I want to talk to you about the Lord. He said, Ah, oh, don't bother me with that stuff. I said, Please, Dad, let's. Just let me go through the Bible once with you and show you what it means to be saved. And if you'll let me do that without arguing with me, then I promise you I won't bother you again. Well, I said, that sounds like a good deal. So I knelt beside his chair and opened my Bible and went through the pages and showed him what it meant to be saved. I said, no, Dad, won't you get saved? Won't you give your heart to the Lord today? He said, no, I can't. I said, well, why not, Dad? He said, well, you know, I was in the war, World War II. He said, we did things in the war that I'm ashamed of. And he said, I don't think God can forgive me for some of those things. I said, Dad, God forgives all manner of sin. He can wipe that away. And friend, no matter what you've done today, he can forgive your sin too, no matter who knows about it or who doesn't. Well, that day, my dad did not get saved. And after that period of time, I would, when I would call my dad or talk to him, I'd say, Dad, I want you to know I love you. I'm praying for you. And one day, my dad said, don't quit praying. And I knew that God was dealing with him. He had to go in the hospital for bypass operation he was having some mini strokes and the doctor said he needed to have this operation or he would die and yet they said he only had a 50 percent chance of living through the operation so I hurried home 500 miles from where I was and went to the hospital where my dad was going to have the operation the next day and I said dad the doctors have told me what they've told you. By this time tomorrow, you could be out in eternity. You're not ready to meet God, are you? He said, no, I'm not. I said, Dad, would you like to be ready to meet God? And he shook his old proud head. And that evening in that hospital room, my dad accepted Jesus Christ as personal Savior. As soon as he got done praying, he said, I guess I'm going to have to change the kind of pop I've been drinking. Isn't that interesting how the Holy Spirit dealt with his heart about his alcoholism right there? And dad never had another drop of alcohol. I had the great joy of baptizing both my mom and dad in our church in Barrie, Ontario. What a great thrill. Friend, God will reward you for serving him. Don't believe that lie of the devil. The devil will have you believe that you've got to drink the, devil, the world's drink. You've got to dress the way the world dresses. You've got to act the way the world acts. You've got to watch their Hollywood movies in order to be happy. Friend, that's a lie. Get a hold of the Bible. See what the Word of God says. Spend your life serving God in some one way or another. And I'm not saying that's just the ministry, but whatever area God calls you into, be faithful in serving Him. And God will reward you. 
my master is a great paymaster. Had it not been for Jesus, I would not be preaching the gospel. I would not have the privilege of knowing some of the greatest people in the world. You say, but pastor, I know Christians that aren't anything special. They're just hypocrites. Yeah, I know a few of those too. But I want you to know the vast majority of Christians that I know are good, godly people. They're my kind of people. And they're the ones I want to associate with. I believe that when you and I get to heaven, there's going to be one great regret. We're going to say, oh God, why didn't I do more for heaven? And why didn't I do less for earth? Folks, all the toils and all the trials will seem like nothing when we get over there and get our crown of rejoicing. Finally today, I want you to see that Jesus appreciated Mary's efforts. Jesus appreciated Mary's efforts. When others ridiculed her, Jesus said, let her alone. I'm thankful for what she did. And there's not one person here who can give a cup of cold water in his name who won't get thanked for that one day. There are a lot of sad people in our world, a lot of unappreciated people. But listen, over there on the other side, you'll not be unappreciated if you've lived for the Lord. I hope you do express appreciation to people here on earth as well. You know, husbands, those dear wives of yours, they get tired of washing your same old dirty clothes every week. They get tired of planning a meal every night and cooking it for you. They get tired of doing that. Do you ever take time to stop and thank them and say, honey, I really appreciate what you do. Thank you so much. Instead of complaining about the meal, thank her for the meal. And ladies, do you ever take time to say to your husband, you're a good husband. You go to work every day. You bring home that paycheck that buys our food and our clothes. Thank you so much. I love you. Those kind of things go a long way. Children, do you ever thank your parents? Parents, do you ever thank your kids for being good kids? You ever thank the one who teaches your children in Sunday school for teaching them? You ever thank the nursery workers who take care of your baby so that you can sit here in church and have peace and quiet for a few minutes? I'm saying we should be very, very thankful to people. Now, people won't always treat you right. And people won't always be grateful that should be grateful, even in church. But when we get to heaven, you're going to find that you never gave, as I said, a cold, a cup of water, even in Jesus' name, that won't be appreciated. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he's writing it all down there somewhere, and I don't think he needs to write it down. He's got it all on record. Someday Jesus is going to say thank you. Story is told, and I don't know if it's a true one or not, but I read the story of a father and a mother who had a child that was mentally not healthy like their other children. 
the other children were normal. And the mother had to go to the hospital for something, and, and uh, Sunday afternoon the dad said to the other children, let's go out in the yard and gather some flowers and take them to mummy in the hospital. And so the children ran out into the yard, and some of them picked, you know, various flowers out of the flower bed. And this one that wasn't, uh, that was a mentally handicapped child didn't know what were good flowers and what were not. So just ran out and grabbed dandelions and pieces of grass and bushes and so on and had just a bunch of junk in his hand. The other children had nice bouquets of flowers. And the father said to the little one, well, just let's leave this. We'll just leave this. And the child said, no, for mommy, for mommy. So they went to the hospital. The other children ran ahead and got to the room first and presented their bouquets. And finally, that little handicapped child came running into the room. The mother pushed the other children aside as that child presented his handful of garbage, in effect, junk. And the mother said, God bless you, I love you. You've done what you could do. That's what I'm looking forward to someday. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have done what you could do. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get discouraged down here when I realize that, that God has given us enough people that we should never have to challenge people to do more. But we do have to challenge them because people just don't do what they should do. And my heart gets burdened when I realize that if, if everybody would just do what they could do, a church would never have any needs. If they would just do what they could do, they would have more than enough workers to supply all the needs of working in different areas of the church and different ministries, if we would just do what we could do. I hope that after this anniversary service, you'll, some of you will go to Pastor White and say, Pastor White, I need to do more. What can I do? Give me a job. I can do more. Oh, this church needs to continue to move forward with force. You've almost outgrown this auditorium. Amen. That's a good thing. And you know that in the next few weeks, this auditorium can be overflowing if we just do what we could do. We shouldn't just work hard on anniversary Sunday. We should work hard every week. Now, don't raise your hands, but I wonder... How many can honestly say, Jesus, I believe I'm doing like Mary. I'm doing the best I can do. Let me ask, first of all, are you saved? Are you born again? Do you know Jesus Christ as personal Savior? If you die right now, are you ready to meet God? And again, I'm not asking you to raise your hand right now, but I'm asking, are you doing what you can do? Are you living up to your potential? Some of you know you need to get saved. Some of you have had people praying for you. Some people have even witnessed to you, and yet you are unsaved. Are you living your cleanest, your holiest life? 
that you can for Jesus? Are you backing the church best you can? Are you supporting your preacher the best you can? Are you trying to support this work with your tithes and offerings? How many of you today can honestly say, Lord, I'm doing the best I can? Oh, we need to cry out, God, forgive us. We could do a better job. We could do better than we're doing. Somebody has said that impression without expression leads to depression. And that is, if you have an impulse and you don't act on it, the Holy Spirit will make it react. And I feel, though, that if you and I want to do it and we're not doing it, we ought to rededicate ourselves today. What is it that God wants you to do? What is it that you're doing now that you're not doing your best at? You're doing a halfway job, half in, half out, half on, half off. You see, what is it? You see, it's time for me to get into this thing. Stop messing around. Are you doing the best that you can do? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.